This is Upwell, a new podcast from Only One, featuring entrepreneurs, advocates, and leaders working to protect and restore the ocean and the planet. And I'm your host, Aaron Kinnery. Today, we have Julia Marsh, CEO and co-founder of Sway, a company creating home compostable packaging out of seaweed. Let's dive in. Julia, it's great to see you, and I'm so excited to dive more into your work with Sway. I did want to start first by talking about your background and how your background as a designer influenced you to create Sway. As a designer, okay, well, first, sorry. Thank you for having me here. (laughs) Uh, As a designer, you're constantly in a position of making um, other people's visions become a reality. And oftentimes, as a designer, I was sourcing materials. I was creating a larger system for a product or a service to exist within. And I thought, man, that's incredible power that designers have. I mean, they they decide how we interact with daily experiences and with, with daily products. And I learned something crazy, which is that 80% of environmental waste is determined at the design stage. And I thought, if all designers have this power, shouldn't they use it for good? So a lot of my background as a designer was really oriented towards how could I work towards helpful solutions in a broader kind of range of environmental challenges. And that's how Sway came to be. That's a fascinating data point, the 80% piece. So when you first started working on Sway, what were some of the key focus areas or challenges in the early days? Well, the big problem with materials alternative materials is first that they're usually very costly as compared with plastic, um, that they actually don't perform the way that they need to in order to be a good swap, that they don't biodegrade quickly enough, and that they can oftentimes come from really resource-intensive inputs. This is the reason that a lot of bioplastics get some bad press, which actually isn't fair because there's this broad palette of natural polymers that nature has provided for us. And we're just scratching the surface with what's possible. So in the early days of starting Sway, it was about what are these kind of underexplored feedstocks and how can we help flip all of those shortcomings of the alternatives to actually beat plastic? Um, no, No small task. Yeah, that's a pretty uh, pretty large undertaking. Um, and what are some of the key areas of products or applications that you're looking towards? So we want to work on really annoying plastics. Thin film materials make up about 40% of all the plastic uh, packaging that's in the ocean and 40% of the broader total plastic volume is going towards packaging. So if we can really um, design materials that are optimized for the reality that these products don't get recycled, that they're lightweight and float into ocean environments, um, and are kind of unavoidable, unfortunately, the way that broader systems have been designed. That's a good start, a starting place. So the poly bag for fashion is where we're starting. 180 billion of these bags are produced every year for the fashion industry alone. Kind of like a jaw-dropping number that you can't even wrap your head around. Um, and unfortunately, the materials that we've designed using seaweed um, are really good at solving this particular problem. And just I want to make sure folks understand, so the, the thin films and, and the poly bags, those are what you get your clothing shipped in? Is that typically the case? Yeah. 
Yeah. Everything that you're wearing probably at one point, whether you saw it or not, came packaged in a poly bag. Um, and more and more as so much of our purchasing is happening online and is happening through e-commerce, the need for this kind of protective packaging from things like dust and moisture and all sorts of, I don't know, tearing, it's more and more needed, unfortunately, by the industry. So they're not really going away and there's not a lot of good alternatives. And those bags pretty much at this point can't be recycled or even if they are recycled, they're probably downcycled, but are they pretty much rarely recycled? Is that the case? They're one to 3% recycled. And yeah, I mean, we visited on site with recycling facilities to see how they're handling thin film and they gum up recycling machines. They can't be processed. So usually these thin film bags and wrappers and pouches and poly bags are bailed and sent to landfill. And then if that landfill is mismanaged, those materials are very likely to float out into natural spaces and into cities and into our oceans. And so you mentioned... Or they're incinerated. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> they're also set on fire. <laughs> oh. uh, not a good outcome either way. Um, so you mentioned that, uh, that you're focused on using seaweed for your materials. What are some of the benefits of working with seaweed? Well, when we're looking at the feedstocks of the future, they got to be abundant. They need to be um, low input intensive. Uh, and then they should, in our view, actually offer value back to ecosystems and communities. So seaweed is abundant on Earth. It grows on every coastline in the world. It's been farmed um, in ocean farms for centuries. There are 10,000 plus species of seaweed. So if we want to embed the opportunity for biodiversity into our feedstocks, it's there. Um, and then seaweeds contain natural polymers. Uh, if you brushed your teeth this morning, you probably already supported the seaweed economy. Uh, seaweed is in donut glaze. It's in a lot of cosmetic products as a gelling agent. And that same gelling component is what makes it really attractive as a feedstock for plastic or non-plastic. And how and where are you sourcing your seaweed? We work with a range of farms that we've vetted. We're primarily based in North and South America. We're an American company. We thought it'd be great to work with folks who are as close to home as possible. All our manufacturing takes place in the States. There's an amazing amount of seaweed that is being cultivated in South America. In fact, uh, about a third of the inedible seaweed market is based just out of Chile alone. So there's a lot of great partner farms that we can work with close-ish to home. Uh, but we actually have a global network of vetted farms um, in every continent except for Antarctica. And I wonder if you could walk us through at a high level what the production process looks like. So how do you go from seaweed into uh, into polymer and packaging? Yeah, but, um, this is I love those segments where it's like, how does the toothpaste get in the tube? This is one of those <laughs> things where it's really hard to visualize how seaweed could actually turn into a packaging material, especially because our packaging looks virtually identical to traditional plastic in some cases. So seaweed is farmed in the ocean. While it's in the ocean, it's cycling excess nutrients. It's providing habitat for biodiverse life, sequestering carbon. It's responsibly farmed by um, harvesters who functionally give the seaweed a haircut, depending on the species. It's dried on the beach. And then the harvested material, that biomass, is 
run through an extraction phase. Um, you could envision it similar to how you would press uh, cheese through a cheesecloth. It's like a filtering cycle. And what you do is you separate the natural polymers, which are called hydrocolloids, from the biomass. And that biomass is used to fertilize neighboring forests. And the natural polymer we use um, in a proprietary blend of plants and that seaweed extract through traditional plastic infrastructure. So we work in partnership with the plastic industry, take those natural polymers and our proprietary formulation to produce resin. And then that resin can be deployed in any way that plastic is, is manufacturing. And then after the packaging is used, what would someone do to dispose of their sway packaging? Where does it go? What's the sort of breakdown look like? So our whole vision here is we want to replenish the planet at every step of the supply chain. And the way that a lot of materials are designed right now, even if they're compostable or labeled that way, they actually require special facilities to degrade. Industrial composting uses really high temperatures and a lot of energy to process biodegradable materials into like useful compost. And that is a system that is very important and cool and scaling and will be accessible to everyone in inevitably. But in the meantime, we want to increase access to this kind of biological circularity. And so we've designed our materials to be home compostable, which means that you can mix them in with your food scraps or in your backyard compost, or if you have one of those cool loamy bins or a mill bin, put them in there. And then you're actually right before your eyes witnessing that the material is disappearing. And you're actually contributing to this cycle of, of biological circularity where the seaweed and its nutrients are being passed back to the earth, which is pretty cool. So you mentioned that you're taking on a lot of the bags used in the clothing industry, but I imagine just going off of that point, a lot of the packaging that we see our food coming in in the, in the grocery stores, I imagine you could take on that space as well? Totally. Yes. So simple bags, just the beginning. What we wanted to do was start with something that's kind of low-hanging fruit and then go after our real kind of big bags in the packaging industry, which are multi-layer packaging. Um, like Cliff Bar wrappers and Snickers wrappers. Um, these really pervasive plastics that aren't going away because they're the most efficient, cost-effective, lightweight, um, lightweight method of packaging just about everything. And have you encountered any constraints or difficulties as you try to scale or bring things to market? No, it's been perfectly easy. No problems. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> I assume so. Well, I mean, first, the big challenge is... Um, the plastic industry has been optimized over the course of 100 years, and it is on the manufacturing side so easy to work with plastic. It's an amazing material. It runs incredibly quickly. Um, it can withstand wild conditions, and it performs incredibly well. And it's been optimized over the course of a century to do that. So for us to approach plastic manufacturers and say, we've designed this totally new material. It comes from the ocean. It's going to be a little bit different. Has been a negotiation. And we found a lot of success this year showing up in person and building like human relationships with our manufacturing partners has been huge. Um, 
and incrementally scaling up on larger and larger equipment rather than going to the biggest plastic manufacturers in the world and saying, let's go. Um, so I'd say that's one piece. And then the other challenge in scaling is when you approach brands, oftentimes we're using plastic not because it's the best, but because it's the easiest. And so sometimes the conversation with a brand is like, okay, but do you actually need this extremely over-engineered plastic to protect your garment? Like, where is the room for compromise? Is it okay that the shelf life is one year or two years? Like, where are you willing to work with us so that we can ensure the material disappears, but your garment or your product is also protected? And can you talk a little bit about some of the recent brand collaborations and maybe some more lessons that you've learned from discussions with them? Definitely. Uh, we've had the opportunity to work with so many cool companies. We earlier this year won the Tom Ford Plastic Innovation Prize. This was organized by Tom Ford and Stella McCartney and Nike, J. Crew, all these amazing early adopter brands. And we had the opportunity to gather feedback from them on our material and how it fits into their systems. Our first public facing pilots went live during Earth Month in 2023. So we got to share our materials at the sold out event in Los Angeles. And for the first time, people could touch and feel an interface with seaweed packaging. And we gathered a lot of feedback on how the material performed and how people composted it and whether it resonated with them and received just kind of overwhelmingly positive um, support. And so we've scaled up our product now and we're Continuing to launch product with fashion brands and footwear brands and home goods companies. And then our really large volumes will be coming in Q1 of 2023 with household names that you may recognize, but that I cannot yet disclose. Well, that's exciting. I wonder, you know, as you're getting off the ground, and I'm thinking about this from a perspective of someone who might have an interesting idea or have an observation like you had in the early days of a major problem or challenge that they want to tackle. What were those early days for you like as you, you know, how did you come across like even seaweed as a substitute for plastics? Um, and, and how did you have the confidence and the early determination to pursue this? Like, where did that stem from? I was really, well, first enraptured with the concept of regeneration, this third pillar of the circular economy. There's design out waste and pollution. That's the first keep materials in use, and then regenerate nature and natural systems. And I thought, how compelling would it be if we could create materials that embedded goodness from the beginning, that they were you couldn't divorce the two, that you wouldn't make a consumer sacrifice or make them inconvenienced. You could just embed the awesomeness. <laughs> so I was looking at all, like, what are the, the materials that meet that criteria? And what are the supply chains that could support this kind of concept? And there are so many cool regenerative feedstocks. Um, everyone's seen mushrooms, there's agricultural waste, there's all kinds of inputs. But seaweed on that list wins, hands down, it's the coolest. <laughs> um, and I grew up next to the ocean. My family worked at the Monterey Bay Aquarium. I grew up like in the kelp forest exhibit or swimming in the bay. So um, I thought this makes a lot of sense, both from a practical standpoint, but also an emotional one. Like how amazing would it be if the ocean could help solve one of the problems that is most directly affecting it? and not be a victim in the story around climate, but actually be a source of solutions. 
Um, but it was very complicated to get into this field. I'm not a material scientist. I don't know about um, polymer synthesis. I do know about systems change. And so I brought this concept to people who were much smarter than me and got their feedback. And they validated that the idea could work. And then I very quickly hired people to support um, in our material development work. I wonder if we could just unpack a little bit more the concept around regeneration and maybe talk a little bit about some of the other ways that Sway is contributing to regenerative ocean farming through your partner relationships. There's so much talk about seaweed, or at least in my world there is, and maybe a lot of listeners are also seeing the headlines around the climate-saving potential of seaweed farming. I think it's important to highlight, first, seaweed industry has been around for centuries. It's been cultivated in a source of food for 10,000 plus years. Um, so this is not new, but it is being thought of in a different context. And now seaweed is kind of being heralded as this perfect solution when in fact seaweed is very diverse. And just because seaweed can be good doesn't mean it always is. So when I speak about regeneration and regenerative ocean farming, I'm referring to practices that have been designed by farmers that prioritize polyculture, that um, really actively pay attention to the relationship between coastal community and the ocean. Seeing seaweed farming as a vector for more resilient coastal employment as temperatures are warming, uh, as overfishing is increasingly an issue and where you need supplemental income. Like it's a very practical kind of regeneration. Let's create a future where coastal communities have employment opportunities and, and can feed back into their, um, into their systems. So yeah, it's, uh, it's about ocean health, but it's also about communities. Um, and the core concept needs to be, is our presence and is our cultivation of seaweed only offering net positive? Is it giving more than it's taking? Um, in terms of water quality, biodiversity, opportunities for carbon sequestration, habitat services, et cetera, et cetera. Two final questions, both related to the entrepreneurial ecosystem for folks specifically with a connection to climate. I wonder, uh, as someone who's um, still early in this space, but uh, has seen some great success and attention, are there things that you think are still needed to encourage more entrepreneurs to engage in climate-oriented activities and perhaps things that could cultivate a broader ecosystem, more innovation, more investment, more collaboration? Definitely. I think, unfortunately, much of the um, larger world of entrepreneurship is oriented around following the money, but increasingly climate-oriented companies are receiving their moment in the limelight and proving that you can intertwine impact with capitalism. So I would say more than ever, it's a good time to start a business in the climate space. And if you are solving a problem that is so existential that it's impossible to make an argument against its need to exist, then you're probably sitting on the foundation of a really great business idea. Um, I would say that there are particular areas where more innovation is needed. Um, a lot of it is the less sexy 
categories. It's around infrastructure. It's around processing. You know, if I were to start a new company right now in the seaweed space, it would be probably a biorefinery. Um, so I don't know, as, uh, as folks who are considering starting climate companies or talking about different concepts or want feedback, I'm happy to be a sounding board or, or provide resources. Well, you kind of touched on, on my second question, which is if there's any advice or insight you might have for other entrepreneurs or even resources that you found particularly helpful as you've built Sway. I love uh, Dr. Ayanna Elizabeth Johnson's um, Venn diagram where she shows, you know, that whatever you love doing should probably intersect with a climate issue and that should be the the work that you focus on. Um, that's definitely the case for pretty much everyone at Sway. My entire team is aligned on impact and finding a way that their diverse disciplines, whether they're technical or their communications or their supply ops or they're otherwise kind of intersect with impact. But every person's key motivation is different. Some people care about the plastic problem. Some people care about the expansion of regenerative ocean farming. Some people just care about like conscious consumerism being more accessible. So there's so many different angles for entering this space and you just kind of have to find the overlap. And then it's very easy to integrate climate forward action into your daily life. And it's also exhausting. So my other advice would be to not um, focus too much on perfection. It's better to be imperfect and still working towards the solution. Well, I think that's some great advice to live by. And, and it's something we think about too is, you know, sometimes it's better to to launch and iterate and, and you know, remember that it's a it's a marathon, not a sprint and that we have to work together and, and, and drive collaboration uh, across different organizations and across different issue areas. And so I really appreciate you, Julia, taking the time to share your experience today and, and continuing to be both optimistic about what we can do, but also being active in engaging and advancing solutions. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Aaron. Thanks so much, Julia, for sharing how your team is embracing seaweed as a sustainable alternative to plastics. I'll leave links to where you can find Julia and Sway in the show notes, which you can find at only.one forward slash upwell. Once again, that's only.one forward slash upwell. This week's episode was engineered by Jake Bowles. Research was supported by Ben Woolman and Anaya Harrison, and our cover art was designed by Joanna Marcus at Only One. Make sure you subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts and start your journey to help save the ocean and fix the climate today at only.one. For as little as $9, you can start planting coral and mangroves and removing plastics and carbon. Again, that's www.only.one. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll be back next week with an all-new episode of Upwell.